1 Corinthians. We're going to the first chapter, uh, and, and we're going to uh, entitle this series Scandalous. Uh, and we're going to take an inside look at the Corinthian church because when you begin to study uh, this church, uh, when you begin to pull back the pages and dig beneath the surface, you're going to see that there was some scandalous stuff going on in this church. Can I get a witness? Now, when we look at this, guys, here's what I would hope that we would glean from this. Let's look at the scenario that was transpiring in this church. Let's look at it, and I think you're going to see some similarities to the churches in America today. Uh, but, but here's my hope that when we see what is happening, we don't just look and see like a lot of us do today. We look and see what's going on. We look at what's bad, and all we do is talk about what's bad. Let's look for a solution so that, so that this church and any other church who's hearing this preached word would, would begin to examine ourselves and exa you examine yourself and every church examine itself and make sure that, that we don't put ourselves in a position where we are, we are moving uh, in this life like the Corinthians were at one point in time. Are you listening to me today? So, so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and guys, we'll, uh, we'll start our reading uh, at verse number 1. And, uh, and we'll skip down to verse number 10 after. But let's, let's read a few verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Uh, and we'll begin reading there. Verse 1 says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and what? Peace. He says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Now notice what he says here. He says, I, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts that he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. So it is not without, it's, it's without question that, that in the church of Corinth, you had genuine believers who belonged to Christ. You had genuine believers who had made a profession of faith, yet when we begin to look at what was happening in this church, when you don't address issues and don't address problems, you're going to find yourself in a position where the church will not be very effective in the earth realm, even though you have born-again believers sitting up in there. Are y'all tracking with me? So make no mistake about it. This letter was written to what? The church. It says, he says, now that you belong to Christ Jesus, verse 5, let's go. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Now, now Paul is doing something like my wife, she, she does this real well, and we've taught this before, that whenever you're going to address an issue, Nancy, you use the sandwich method. When you come to Brother Tyrone and say, Ty, you know, you're a great husband. You're the father of our little Emmy and our, and our other two boys, and, and I, I thank God for you. You're an awesome man of God. But Ty, I got to talk to you about something. <laughs> And then you deal with the problem. Then when you end up, you say, baby, I love you. And I don't mean to harm you, okay? All right? That's, the, that's called the sandwich method. You start out, amen, identifying what's good. 
and then you deal with the problem, and then you close out with your love for that person who you have to deal with, right? So he says, that, that's what Paul is doing. Paul says, through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Verse 6, three says what? Uh, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. 7, 8, 9, let's go. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Verse number 9, God will do this for he, he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Everybody say scandalous. All right, now watch, watch. Let's, 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 let's give a little background here. And guys, y'all may want to put me on the clock because if you don't, I'll keep going, all right? All right. Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, is the writer of this letter to the church in Corinth. And, and again, you that study your Bible know that Corinth uh, was a strategic city in Greece. Amen. It, it, was, it was a commercial hub. It was, it was, it was a buzz of business activity uh, from north to south, from east to west. Corinth, amen, when it came to commercial activity and commerce, they had it going on. Everybody said they had it going on. The city had a mixed population. They had you know, some Roman people from Rome, and they had Egyptians, Latin, Greek, Orientals there. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably, if I, if I were to uh, describe it, it's probably akin to uh, New York City because New York City uh, is like a melting pot. If you, if you, if you want to see different ethnic groups from different places across this globe, go to New York City. Now here in Shreveport, Bozeman, Louisiana, we sort of limited somewhat. Well, we, have, we have different ethnicities, but we're somewhat limited almost to black, white, Hispanic. I mean, a few Asians as it relates to that. But, but as a general rule, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not saying everybody. I know you can find some of everybody here. But as a general rule, it's usually black, white, Hispanic, and maybe some Asians, okay? But New York City has all kinds of ethnicities there. And so Corinth had all kinds of ethnicities, uh, people from different parts of the globe coming there because what? They had great business activity. Commercial activity was going on in this place. Now, if, think about this for a second. If you got people from different parts of the world at that time in Corinth, a gospel message proclaimed in Corinth literally had the potential to transform the world because when people come from someplace, they always go back, right? And so if, if, if you can preach the gospel in Corinth, get someone saved, and eventually that person goes back to their home country, then they can have significant impact where they came from. I think a perfect illustration of this would be I remember, y'all know Pastor Don Anderson at Great New Zion up in Benton, right? Uh, Pastor Anderson is from Benton originally. And I remember this very distinctly when I was a teenager that Pastor Anderson had went off and, and joined the military. And he, after he uh, left the military, he came back home to Benton. And when he came back home to Benton, uh, he had significant impact because he was on fire for the Lord. Most of us around here were just going to church, but we weren't really on fire for the Lord. As a matter of fact, many of us were not even saved. All right. We knew we, we went to church, but we didn't really know what it meant to have a born again experience and to live out this Christian life. Many of you sitting here right now, you come to church, but you're not living this out. And when Pastor Anderson came back to Benton, he had significant impact in witnessing to a lot of us brothers here. As a matter of fact, through his testimony and a Bible study at his mother's house, I got saved. 
So think about that for a second. God sent him around the globe, around the world. He got on fire for Jesus. He wasn't on fire before he left, but he got saved when he was where he was, where he was stationed, and he came back here. Now, what if he hadn't came back here? What if I were not, were not even saved, and I wouldn't even be the pastor of this church right now? I'd be doing something else. I don't know what, but because of his testimony, and not, I'm just one of many to where he had impact in the lives of, of believers and really got us to think about what it meant to be a true born-again believer and not just a churchgoer. As your pastor, I'm telling you right now, I'm not satisfied with any of us in here being just churchgoers. When you come here, but what we say and what we learn don't impact what you do. The Corinthian church had people like some of us. We come faithfully, but what we hear does not impact our everyday life. We keep just doing life the way we've always done life. And some of us do some ratchet stuff in our life. And God is saying, it's time out for ratchetness. It's time for holiness. Everybody say, throw away the ratchet. Put on the holy. Glory be to God. Amen. So, 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 so Corinth's moral character almost made it, 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 it made it a fertile ground for the gospel to be preached because the city, how many of y'all Bible studies remember that this city contained uh, the temple of Aphrodite and the Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of love where there was a thousand sacred prostitutes or what they call priestesses who were available for all who came to that temple for worship. When I say available, what do I mean? I mean that when, 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 when they came to worship, they had sex. You heard me right. The temple of Aphrodite was in Corinth, and when they came to worship, quote, un, under that cultic-like atmosphere, they could have sex with the temple prostitutes. I got a question for you today. Just me thinking. See, I think like this when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm doing my, my, my study. I think like this. I wonder how full would this church be today? Come on, just think about how Y'all talk about you having trouble getting men to come to church. I, 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 wonder, I wonder how full would this place be? Now, now, again, that's, that's some weird, freaky stuff, amen? So we, 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 that, that, that was the temple of Af Aphrodite, which is sex goddess. So they, they, they could have sex with, 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 with what, quote, what they call priestesses in, in the church or in, that, in this temple here. Y'all with me? And so, so uh, the, but can you imagine if that's the culture, that's the atmosphere, that's what's going on, that led to sexual debauchery all over the city. That led to, to all kinds of uh, immorality for, of a sexual nature that dominated Corinth. The, the Greeks had a word, uh, it, it's called Corinthia, Corinthazoma, I think I'm saying that right, Corinthazoma, which literally means to act the Corinthian, to act the Corinthian, which evolved to mean to practice sexual immorality. So, so next time uh, you see somebody say, are you acting the Corinthian? Just, 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 just blow their mind. They say, what are you talking about, brother pastor? Are you acting the Corinthian? That means are you acting like the folks at Corinth who were indulged and engaged in sexual immorality, sexual debauchery to such a nature that, that, that their conscience was not even being pierced now. They kept doing it and nobody was saying anything about it. So, so Paul, Paul, 
Paul had done missionary work in Corinth, and, and after he moved to Ephesus, he received word that there were problems in Corinth, and he wrote this letter to address those problems. He wrote this letter to address those problems for the church that he had helped to establish and mentor. And so now we get into the text of our, our meat of our discussion. Go to verse number 10 with me right quick. Are y'all still with me? So what was the problem? Start out with the problem. Because again, when you, when you look at an issue, many times, guys, we don't see the real issue. Many times in our relationship with different people, with our wives, our family, our our coworkers, our friends, many times we're only scratching the surface of what, what the real problem is. So as a result, because we don't deal with the real problem, the stuff keeps coming back up. Most people will tell you only the fruit of the problem, not the root. Can I get a witness? Most people will only tell you the fruit, and we'll, if you focus on the fruit, you'll miss dealing with the root. And when you don't deal with the root, the fruit always comes back. Can I get a witness? Watch, watch this. Verse number 10. So, so you look at your outline. The problem was they had a divided church. The church at Corinth was in pretty bad shape, y'all. And the fellowship among the believers had deteriorated to such a degree that it was actually about to collapse. So the text says here, watch this now. It says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions where? In the church, rather be of one mind, united in what? Fault and in purpose. Look, let's read it one more time. It says, let there be no what? Divisions where? In the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. Now again, uh, Corinth, that was, that was severe division and dissension amongst the people in this church. They, they were, they were, they, they were verbal ac accusations. They, they had all these different opinions that were going on. They were, they were being competitive. There, there was power struggle. There was envy. There was contention, grumbling, griping, complaining, murmuring, quarreling. All that stuff was going on where? In the church. Sounds familiar to... Does it sound familiar to you? Hopefully not in this church, but I know... I, I'm not so naive to believe that we don't have some murmuring and complaining going on in this church. I'm not so naive to, uh, to, to think that, that there, there's not some people who, who, don't, who, who don't have a spiritual mindset, who, are, who don't see life the way the Bible tells us to see it, where, where your mindset is not in tune with Jesus Christ, to where you may be causing division, amen, amongst those people who are in your circle of influence. I know that happens, but I thank God that 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 we have a group of a core group who who understands that 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 we have to have a spiritual mindset and we stay focused on our purpose and our goal. We don't get sidetracked by a bunch of foolishness and drama. I refuse to get involved in foolishness and drama in the church. Amen. Watch this. Can we keep moving? So so the first problem that Paul had to deal with when this church was the problem of division. It, 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 it had to be dealt with first because a house divided against itself cannot what? It can't stand. As a matter of fact, look at what Jesus said. Go, go to uh, Mark, the third chapter. Be right there. Mark, chapter three, verse number 20. And y'all know this because, again, how are we going to impact the world if we are all tore up inside the church? 
How are we, we going to lead others to Christ if we can't even get along? So there was division. Paul, even before he got to dealing with some of this other stuff, the sexual immorality that was going on, he had to deal with the division in the church. Guys, we can't, we can't impact this community until we are united. Guys, that's why a lot of times we see in some of our communities, the community is all tore up because the people in the community are not united. You, you, you cannot wait for somebody outside to come inside to solve your problems. Let me say it again. You cannot wait for somebody outside the community to come inside the, community, the community's problem. It has to start from the floor up. Thank God for leaders, but we need the people on one accord. Are y'all tracking with me? All the money in the world won't solve your problems because you can bring money into a community, but if the, if the people's mind are not on the same focus, on the same purpose, they'll just tear it up with more money. Okay? So money ain't the answer to all problems. Contrary to some prosperity gospel preachers who are telling you that money answers all things. That's totally taken out of context. How many of y'all got money in your bank? Right now, you got a little bit of money in your, in your I, I didn't say how much, but you got some. How many of y'all got some? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to ask for a second offering. How many got at least $15? Okay, good, 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 good. Now, listen, we do need money. I, I grant you that. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get to you is to understand is that money will not solve all your problems. There are, there are plenty of people who got money who are miserable. All right? So, but, but watch this, watch this. A house divided against itself cannot stand. The text says one time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. Verse number 21 says when his, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. Look at what Jesus' family said about him. Now again, check this out now, guys. Sometimes it's folks who we know that try to cut us up. As a matter of fact, usually it's not the people who we don't know that hurt us. Because if I don't know you, then there are a lot, I promise you, there are people who hear, hear me preach over the radio that don't like my preaching. There, there are people who came to this church and said, well, you know what, that ain't for me. He talks too long. He's a lecturer. I need him to wind me up so I can shout. I know that, but, but, and that's cool. Go somewhere where you can get blessed. So everybody, everybody's not going to necessarily like you, but, but that don't bother me. And it, it, but, but if my wife didn't like me, come on. Brother Craig, that'd be, that'd be kind of tough, wouldn't it? If my wife told me, you're a horrible preacher, why don't you resign? That would be kind of hurtful, wouldn't y'all think? But because we are in a relationship. See, guys, it's not so much what folk that are outside that are doing this, that's hindering the church. It's what people on the inside are doing. Can I get a witness? Look at it. The Bible says when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. Talking about Jesus' family. Jesus' earthly family tried to take him away. What did they say? He's out of his mind. They thought he was crazy. Did y'all hear me? The Messiah's earthly family thought he was out of his mind. Have anybody ever thought y'all were out of your mind because you tithe and give offerings and you come to church every Sunday and Wednesday and you give time and effort and, and you started talking different and you stopped cussing? 
You start talking about Jesus. You stop drinking with him. I said you stop drinking with him. And now all of a sudden, what you think you better than us now? No, I'm just practicing holiness. I'm, I, I don't want anything that's going to distort my mind. So now I, when you start doing those things, people who are close to you are going to start saying, you think you more than us. Can I get one witness? Have anybody had family members tell you, you think you more than us? You went to that Darl Adams fellow church. Huh? And now, now you think you more. Guys, I'm telling you, it's people with sin that will begin to tear you down. The text says he's out of his mind, they said. Look at the next verse. The text says, but the teachers of religious law who had arrived from, arrived from Jerusalem said, this is the religious leaders, he's possessed by Satan. Now, again, if you go back and read the first part of this chapter, which I don't have time to do, he had cast out demons. He had cast demons out. And so now he healed the sick. And so people were coming in to get a touch from Jesus. But the teacher of the religious law who arrived from Jerusalem said he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Now, Jesus is getting ready to bust him down and show them the ridiculousness of this statement right here. Look at what they said. He gets his power from Satan, but Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. I love the way Jesus talked. Amen. He gave you illustration. He says what? How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. Verse 24 says what? A kingdom divided by civil war will what? It'll collapse. A family divided by civil war will collapse. A nation divided by civil war will collapse. If your household is divided, it cannot stand. Next verse, read it, read it. It says what? Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will do what? Fall apart. Listen, I, I want to encourage you. If, you are, if, if you're in a family that's, that's, that's in a family feud, I'm not talking about the game, but you're feuding and you got stuff going on and, and nobody's talking, nobody's praying, nobody's being Christian-like in your approach to solving the issue or the problem, then I, I want to encourage you who are listening to this message, be the one. Guys, how many of y'all were here Wednesday? Let's see your hand. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but how many of y'all, those are the only folks in the Bible study Wednesday. Let me see your hand again. How many of y'all were here? Oh, some more hands went up. I mean, how many of y'all were here this, this past Wednesday? Okay, good, good, good. Do y'all remember we talked about healthy confrontation? How to confront something? How to do it in a healthy, spiritual manner? If you were not here, get the, get the CD, get the outline, and go back and review that because it's critically important that we learn how to, to healthily confront things in our families. Amen? Do it the right way. Be biblical. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, be biblical. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will do what? Will fall apart. Verse 26, let's read it. It says what? And if Satan is divided and fights himself... How can he stand? What? He will never do what? Survive. He will never survive. Now watch this. He says, if, if Satan is casting out Satan, he's going he gonna to kill himself off. If Christians are fighting against Christians the same way, then we're going to kill off our purpose and our destiny and what we're trying to accomplish here as a church body of believers. So let's get back to Corinth right quick, okay? So the problem was 
division in the church. Division in the church. The KJV says there's division among you. Go, 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 go back to 1 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse number 10. Let's look at it from the King James version of the scripture. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 1, <laughs> verse number 10. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 10. Are y'all still with me today? So, so we see what was happening with Corinth. In this environment, in this culture of decadence, in this culture where you had different people from different backgrounds coming together, the church at Corinth was birthed, but they were having some problems. The key thought that I gave you was that the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. Everybody say, the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. So many times, guys, we are hesitant and we are bashful about dealing with the problems that go on in the church. The Corinthian church had problems and nobody was talking about it. Nobody was dealing with it. And we'll see that later on. There was stuff that was going on. And you, when we get to that, I think it's that fifth chapter, you're going to see where there was a man in the church. Um, uh, there was a woman, excuse me, there was a woman in the church who was having a sexual relation with her stepson. And it was commonly known that she was having sexual relations with her stepson and the church didn't say anything about it. Now I hear some of y'all right now with your, with your carnal mind, somebody, that's my own business, whoever I want to. That was immoral. It was wrong. And when it became a public issue, the church has to deal with public issues. All right. Now, if, if, if you want, if, if, I, I, I hear your wheels turning now. I hear, I hear, your, hear your head turning. But Pastor, are you trying to get into my business? But Pastor, are you trying to get into my lifestyle? Yes, I'm trying to get into your lifestyle. Because if you belong to Jesus, if you belong to God, God wants to get into your lifestyle. If you belong to Jesus, if you're a member of this church, listen, you, 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 we are our brother's keepers and our sister's keepers. So if you're, if you're, into, if you're into some things that are, that are not healthy for you, then, then we as your brothers and sisters want to help you get out of it if you want to. So some people don't want to get out of what they're into. And so you got to decide if you really know Jesus or not. Because there are people who, who come to church but don't know Jesus. I'm one who says this. If you can sin without remorse, if you can sin without any uh, with any guilt and you continually do it if you have a practicing lifestyle of sin and not trying to get out of it, not praying about it you, you comfortable in your sin, you better check and see if you're really saved because the Bible I says the Bible I read says that, 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 that whosoever is born of God does not practice sin don't have a practicing lifestyle of sin where they continually indulge without any remorse, without any, uh, without any fear or trepidation or without any fear of God's judgment or punishment coming. You're just doing your thing. You better check and see if you know what it really means to be saved. Because I don't believe in a gospel that says you can be saved and do whatever you want to do. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't preach that. You got to decide, you got to choose this day who you're going to serve. I love God. I love Jesus. And again, there are times when I haven't done everything right in my life, but you know what? I'm not going to have a practicing lifestyle of sin. You got to come up out of it. Everybody say, come on up out of there. Say it again. Say, come on up out of that club. Come up out of that liquor store. Come up out of that, out, 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 
leave the weed man alone. Any of y'all been visiting the weed man? That sounds so, I, I, know, I know I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the hip terminology, but you know what I mean, right? Some stuff, we got to come up out of, leave that married woman alone. Leave that married woman alone. Pastor, you, you, just don't, you, don't, you don't understand, you know, he, he helped me pay my bills. Listen to me. Hear me carefully. Hear me carefully. Single woman. Or single, you know, yeah, yeah, single woman. You mess with a married man. He helping you pay your bills. You want me to tell you what that is? You calling him your friend. Hey, that, that just, that just, uh, uh, you know, it, it's just prostitution, but you ain't on the street walking. He stand with me, and he, and I can't let him go past because he helping me pay my bill. Baby, let me tell you something. You're going to have to decide who you're going to serve. You got to decide who you're going to trust. God loves you, and you better than that. Let me say it again. You better than that. God loves you. You're better than that. Don't you settle for that. Okay, can I keep moving? Because uh, there's a whole lot of that stuff going on. Corinth, sexual immorality. They were doing the Corinthian. All right. Division. Division within the church is one of the most serious problems a church can face. If not the most serious. It can devastate the church's fellowship. It can, it can, it can devastate its worship. It can, dev, it can devastate our, the, our mission. It can de devastate our witness. Guys, think about this for a second. Jesus even said that, he says, the world is going to know that you belong to me by the love that you have one to another. Let me say it again. Jesus said, the Messiah said, the world is going to know that you belong to me when they see the love that you have one to another. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, so. So, so whenever there is division, whenever there's infighting within the church, and a lot of this, it comes because people are not focused on the main purpose of the church. And, 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 and the reason why that happens in a lot of places, because a lot of churches are just like Corinth. It was full of baby Christians. It was full of baby Christians, and baby Christians think crazy. Baby Christians who are not maturing, who don't spend time in the word, who are not allowing the gospel message and the principles of God's word to transform their thinking, they think crazy. They think worldly. Let me put that one. They think worldly. So as a result, you have these things happen. So division 
was the first problem that he dealt with. Go back to, go back to uh, if you will, look at that 10th verse again. He gives them some exhortations to get them to get over this division that's happening in the church. And guys, I, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you may not like it, but I'm going to tell you. You and I, none of us in here, can progress in our faith walk when we are at odds constantly with other fellow believers. It, it will not happen. Your horizontal relationship with people has to be on point before your vertical relationship with God is on point. Okay? So, so again, for you to think that you don't need anybody in the church, to, for you to think that, that it's not necessary for me to be in connection with anybody in the church, then that means that you think that you know more than God. And if you think you know more than God, I can't help you. I'll give you your letter, and you can go to a place where you can sit and, 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 and do what you want to do. But, you, but, but, but if, 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 we're, if we're going to grow in our faith, we have to connect with our local church assembly and be involved in the discipleship training process. This is not a church where you're going to just be comfortable just coming on Sunday every now and then. Because you're going to get offended because I'm going to talk about you. Not you personally, you, you understand. I'm not talking about you personally, but I'm going to talk about what, what's needed for a disciple to be a disciple. For a believer to be a disciple. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep coming. I'm going to keep exhorting you. And you're going to think I'm picking, but I'm not picking. I'm just trying to exhort you in love. I love you. You my boy. But hey, dude, you got to stop that, man. Come on. We, we need some leaders in this church. We need some men who are leading their families courageously and leading them according to God's word. We need women who are leading their families, who are, who are being the type of mothers that God want to be. We, we need every last one of you out here because every last one of you have giftings that we need. Nobody is indispensable around here. We need you. But we can't use you if you won't participate. Amen. All right, all right, watch. All right, so, so watch. Go, go, back, go back to verse number 10. First thing we want to see here, he says, And I beseech you, brother, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. So he, he's exhorting them. He, he gives them a strong exhortation here. It's a direct and straightforward uh, exhortation. It's given immediately because Paul knows if I don't deal with this division, the rest of this stuff, I, I, I don't have a prayer of, get, get, uh, of helping them to change their, their way of doing things. It starts with being on one accord. Being in one place. So the first thing he, deal, he deals with, he, he, the exhortation is degree in speech. In other words, reach agreement. Quit talking against each other. Quit accusing each other. Quit attacking. Quit murmuring, grumbling, griping, complaining, and gossiping. Everybody say, quit it. Quit using your tongue to stir up division and dissension in the church. Go to James 3 and 6. So, so, the first thing, that first exhortation, if we're going to be on one accord, is stop talking stuff you shouldn't be talking. Put it simply, stop saying stuff that you shouldn't be saying. James 3, verse number 6. We got to agree in speech. We all are different people. We have different opinions about stuff, but there are certain things that, 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 that we should agree on, and whatever is biblical, we all agree on. That's why... I always say, let the Bible be the standard of truth and not your political persuasion. Not your, not your, uh, your, your, your neighborhood's persuasion. 
Not, not your cultural, thank you, Katie, not your culture of when you came from. Your culture should not be your predominant uh, mode of leading you in your thinking. The Bible should be. Because there are some things that we, some ways we think culturally that, 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 that may not line up with Scripture. There are some ways that your family think that's not biblical. Right? Look at James. James 3, verse number 6 says what? And the tongue is a flame of what? A fire. Uh, it is a whole world of what? Wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Have y'all ever noticed that your mouth can get you in a whole lot of trouble? Can I get a witness? Some of y'all are lost job because you couldn't control your tongue. You just had to say what you said. Hello? Some of y'all aren't married now because you couldn't control your tongue. Some of y'all, some of us, let's put some of the, I don't, I don't want to make, make it sound like I'm, I'm throwing out at you. I'm including me in the group. Some of us maybe don't, aren't in the position that we need to be in because we couldn't control our tongue. Look at the text here again one more time. It says, um, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by itself. Go with me right quick, if you will. Let's go to the fourth chapter, verse number 11. People can tame all kind of stuff in verse 7, say, but the tongue, mm -mm -mm, you need some help with that. All of us need some help with our tongue, right? We need the Holy Ghost to help us, right? Would y'all agree with me? James 4, verse 11 says what? Now, he's, James said, he says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters mean that he's talking to the church. So let me ask you a question. Have you spoken evil against another brother in the church? Don't even answer. Don't even answer. What does the text say here? Don't speak evil against each other. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. So what, 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 go to the next verse, go to the next verse. It says, God alone who gave law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So, so what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Go into Matthew, the seventh chapter. Now watch this. See, guys, when the Bible says judge, what it's talking about is, I really, literally, I can't determine whether or not you're going to get into heaven or not. In other words, I can look at you and you can look like you really saved, but I don't know your heart. Are you with me? So judging means that don't judge whether or not that person will be in heaven or not because that's, that's God's decision. But we are to judge actions. Let me prove it to you. Matthew, the seventh chapter, right quick. Because again, here's what I noticed, and I told you, particularly amongst our millennials, they'll, do, they'll be in sin and say, don't judge me. Baby, let me tell you something. Judge me, judging means not to declare whether or not you're going to heaven or not, but we, 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 we are 
we have a responsibility as brothers and sisters to judge the, the rightness of actions. Does it line up with word or not? So if it doesn't line up with word, then and we're in, we in covenant relationship together, then I'm your brother. If I see you doing something wrong, I owe it to you to come and say, brother, we learned this in Bible study. We learned that on Sunday morning. Remember what pastor said? He showed us in the scripture that that's not God's will for your life. That's, that ain't judging. That's declaring what's right, what's wrong based on the word of God. Y'all understand the difference? God alone is going to determine whether or not you've truly saved or not because some of us look like we're saved, but our heart ain't right. You ain't doing nothing outwardly that people can see, but your heart is dirty. If your heart ain't right, you still ain't saved. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Look at this right quick. Verse number one. Let's go there right quick. Hallelujah. Matthew 7, verse number one. It says what? Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Verse two says what? Let's read. For you will be treated as you treat others. Watch this. For you will be what? Treated as you treat others. When it comes to this judging, you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. In other words, if I'm unfair and I'm judged by my emotions and, 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 and wrongly, then that same standard is going to be applied to me. Look at verse number three. Watch this now. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? Now watch this now. When you have a log in your own eye. Notice what Jesus is getting to here. Because I don't want you to stop reading here. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Look at, look at verse number four. Let's read. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Next verse, read. Hypocrite. Now watch this. Here's the condition. What, what was happening in this day was people were judging people for stuff and they were doing the very same thing that they were calling other people out on. How am I going to call you out for stealing and I'm stealing? I got to get my stealing under control before I can call you out. Are you with me? How am I going to call you out for gossiping and I'm gossiping? Deal with my gossiping first, then I position myself to be able to help you with yours. Hypocrite, look what he says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then, watch this, then and only then will you see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus was saying this, listen, listen, it's okay to help people and deal with stuff that people are going through, but first of all, make sure you dealt with your own stuff. Are y'all following me? All right, let's get back to 1 Corinthians right quick, okay? So he says, agree in speech, agree in speech. As a matter of fact, before you go back there, go to Proverbs 13 and 3. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Proverbs 13 and 3. Y'all still with me? Proverbs 13 and 3. Those who control their tongue will have what? A long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. How many of you know some people talk too much? And they never. Okay, there we go. Proverbs 21 and 23. Go to him right quick. Come on. Paul tells them you got to agree in speech. Guys, the only way we're going to begin to agree in speech is we got to read our Bible to know what God's word says. I want to agree with you uh, 
not about black power, white power. I want to agree with you about what the Word of God says. Hello? The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So if we can let it, that means all of us have the capacity to have the mind of Christ. And so if you got the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ, then we're going to be, we're going to be, we should be thinking, amen, the same way as it relates to our purpose and our goal and what we're trying to accomplish as a ministry and what, you're trying to, what you and I are trying to do as a born-again believer. 23 says what? Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Can we read that out loud together? Let's read it. It says what? Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. We need to read that again. Are y'all with me? Ready? Let's go. This is Bible. This is wisdom principles from Proverbs. It says what? Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. You'll stay out of trouble. Okay? Y'all make sure y'all mark that. Take that home with you. And this week, work on keeping your mouth shut and watching your tongue. And watch how much trouble you'll stay out of. Eric, it'll, it'll, it'll work, Eric. It'll work, brother. I'm telling you. Sharon, Sharon, Sharon will be treating you nice when you watch your mouth. <laughs> All right. Next thing. He exhorts them to allow no dissension or division. The word division uh, means to split, to rend, to tear apart. Again, to allow no dissension or division. He, he's talking about in the church, y'all, not the outside church. Again, guys, our problem as a church is not the world so much attacking us. It's what's happening within. And that's what was happening in Corinth. The culture had influenced the church so much so that the people in the church were thinking like the people in the culture. And so they had division within the church. The divisive church is not working to bring peace. It's not working to bring love. It's not working to bring the brotherhood uh, together. It's not, it's not working to, to reach the laws for Christ. If we spend all our time shooting at each other, what time do we have to go out and try to reach people for Christ? So he said, we got to deal with the church. Do y'all realize that the world looks at us and see us? And, and talk to somebody who's not in the church and ask them, what's your opinion of, of, of the church? Most of them will say, well, there's hypocrites up in there. Uh, y'all can't even get along. How y'all going to tell me anything? And, and in, in, in a lot of cases, what they're telling you is true because they're seeing the, the church be divisive, split, arguing, fussing, and fighting. How in the world are we going to go reach somebody else when we can't even get along? So Paul said we got to deal with this division first. Don't allow division or dissension in the church. Okay? The third thing he tells us is, he exhorts them to be joined together in the same mind and same judgment. Be joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. The words in the case of he says perfectly joined together mean to be in perfect union with each other, to be perfectly united and joined together, to be restored to the perfect union of being together. That will not happen, guys, if you're not reading your Bible and I'm not reading mine. The only way we're going to be thinking on the same wavelength is we've got to have the same teaching, the same word coming into our mind and getting down into our hearts. The word of God should, should, should drive us. Go, go, go to one of my favorite scriptures. Y'all know it. 2 uh, Timothy 3 and 16. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 right quick. So we've got to have the same mind. That means that 
my thinking has to be governed by the principles of God's word. Now, guys, you know this and I know it. If you do not spend any time in God's word, God's word can't govern your mind. Are you listening to me? If, if I don't have no word time, then I'm going to think based on what I hear coming into my ear gates. How many of y'all got people who talk crazy these? How many of y'all have people who, who talk in an unlearned manner? They don't know what they're talking about, but they think they know what they're talking about. There are people who, who think they know what they're talking about. They really don't know. So if you listen to that and you take your mind off God's word, the word of God won't be able to influence you. So we can't have the same mind if, if, if none of us are in the word. We're going to all be thinking different stuff. Look at what the text says here. All scripture, can we read out loud? Let's go. Come on, let's go. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. We're wrong. What does that, y'all? The word, scripture. So if I don't have any scripture, that means I'm not going to know sometimes I'm off base. I'm not going to know what's true. I'm not going to realize what's wrong if I don't have some word time. Amen. That's why I always encourage you spend some personal time with the Lord uh, in personal study and prayer time. And you need some study helps. Come to Bible study. Get, get involved. Engage with small group Sunday morning discipleship training so you can discuss the word of God so that you can know what scripture teaches you about different areas of your life. Okay. Let's, let's, go, let's go on. So, so to, let's be joined together in the same mind. And with the same judgment, that's not going to happen if we're not in the word. The Corinthian church need to be restored because there was division in the house. Go to Ephesians 4 and 3 with them right quick. Hurry, hurry. Ephesians 4 and 3. Ephesians 4 and 3. Glory to God. The text says, make every effort to keep yourselves united. How? In the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Can we read that one more time? It says what? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together, what? With peace. Go to, go to 31 and 32, that very same chapter. Paul is writing this to the church at Ephesus, and it applies to us today. We got to make every effort to, to, to walk in peace with one another. This division in the church is, is hindering our ability to be able to effectively go out and reach others with the gospel. Let's read together. It says what? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it. He's talking to the church now. He's talking to the church. Next verse, read. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That should be our motto. Get rid of the bitterness, anger, and strife, and be kind to one another. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you an assignment. This week, I want you to be extra nice to a person who you hadn't been so nice to. This week, I want you to be, do something kind for somebody who would not expect it. That's your assignment. Reach out preferably a, a fellow believer, but it doesn't have to be a fellow believer. When you go to work tomorrow, uh, reach out and do something kind to someone who would not expect it. Y'all look at me like I said something crazy. Can I get one amen? 
So write your assignment down. Make a mental note of it. On this coming week, I'm going to do something extra nice and kind so that I can begin to incorporate that into my everyday Christian way of walking. Do something extra nice or kind to somebody who's not expecting it. Amen? Y'all got that? And, I, and next Sunday, I want, I, want, I want to hear a couple of praise reports about how you did that, okay? You got your assignment? Do y'all have y'all assignment? I, I, don't, I, I, I feel like y'all, 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 do y'all, y'all want to be nice? Good, 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 good. All right, watch it. I got to close, y'all. But, but uh, it said be kind to each other. Now, let me, let me I'm, I'm going I'm to stop right here. This last portion of this, this, this outline I gave talks about division and it's brought on by contention, super spirituality, and cliques. That was happening in the church. And we're going to deal with that because we have some super spiritual people in the church who don't know how to relate to others. We have different groups of cliques or people who, who now when it says cliques here, it, it was really dealing with those who, who, who were following certain personalities in the ministry. Some were following Paul. Some were following Apollos. Some were following Cephas, uh, which is Peter, and others who got so spiritual, they said, I don't follow no man. I just follow Jesus. Have you ever heard people say that? I don't follow. Well, you got to follow some man. As a matter of fact, if you're under pastoral care, you should follow your pastoral leader. If you, if you can't follow your pastoral leader, go find one that you can follow. Because you're going to follow somebody. I understand what you're saying. I don't follow no man. My focus is on Jesus. But yes, in the earth realm, we are to submit ourselves to the authority that we are upon in the church. Right? So you got to follow somebody. On the job, in the, in the home, you got to follow somebody. Guys, this Corinthian church, we're going to see, had a whole lot more problems, but it started with dealing with the issue of division. Your house cannot stand if it's divided. Mac, Monica, your house can't stand if it's divided. You're going to have different opinions, but, but, but if, you, if you say, we ought to be able to get on the same team. Brother Edward, Sister Betty, um, it, 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 can't, it can't stand if it's divided. If one person is spiritual and the other one's worldly and, 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 and y'all going in different directions, house is not going to, it's not going to stand. Church can't stand when we got uh, carnal-minded believers and spirit-minded believers and we're tugging at one another. Let's all be spirit-minded. Let's help each other to grow and let's encourage each other. Guys, as your pastor, man, I love every last one of y'all here. I promise you I do. And I want to see God's best in your life. And I want to encourage you that you can, whatever, I don't care where you are right now, what you've done, uh, and who you did it with. Today is a new day. God says he, he can forgive you. We can start fresh anew, and he still wants to use you. Don't let the enemy tell you that, 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 you, that, you, that you've done so much wrong that God can't use you. He still wants to use you. He still wants to keep doing wrong. Everybody say Scandalous. Say, I don't want to be a part of the scandal in the church. I want to be a spirit-minded believer who's growing in faith, who's loving Jesus and loving people. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you for your word that has come forth.